Hello? Hello. It's us again. It definitely is. A little later than usual. We should start off first by apologising relating to the time. We took a slight delay on broadcasting today because we watched the entire Alex Salmond Evidence Committee in full, which went on for 17,000 years. And so we took a slight break to sit in and eat and stuff, but now we are here. In the AM. And actually Saturday, so this is no longer news, it's olds. In France, it's still in Europe. Yeah, but we do have a ton of news slash olds today. An absolute ton. I don't want to start off on the the salmon thing because it's it's heavy business. Should we start on something lightweight today? We should. Where would you like to go? I've got something that I want to put to you, actually. In that, me and you are vegetarians, which people might not know we're vegetarians and have been for a few years. But I would put to you that the best quote-unquote meat meals that you've ever had have been vegetarian or vegan ones. Yeah, now they have. For example, what has been what has been the best burger that you've ever had? That burger from the vegan place in Glasgow that my bag went fired in. Duck. I can't yes, the flying duck. The, the flying duck is the best burger ever ever had. It's really, and really I'm not, good. I'm not I'm not saying that the dinner I cooked tonight was the best steak ever, but it was very good for a fake steak. Fake steak is it was good for a fake steak. Yeah. Do you, do you have, have any, a, um, a? What are you gonna say? Do you have a favorite fake faking or fake? What would you say? Like things that have brought you into being a veggie. Um, I love the bacon from the company called the This. So they've got like this isn't bacon, this isn't chicken, but their bacon is delicious and their chicken is delicious. I love Linda McCartney stuff. I think her stuff is very very good. The corn stuff. Some of corn is kind of good. It's touch and go sometimes with corn. What about you? What's your favourite veggie products? I'm loving how round cheese is going vegan. That is handy. That's that's a massive favourite for mine. And the idea that chicken and mushroom pot noodles, vegetarian. And, you know, and we should do a list, you know, of stuff that you would think is meaty, but is not. Like, for example, this week we've come across KFC flavoured crisps. And you would think like chicken flavoured things or steak or rib flavoured crisps surely has got some aspect of meat. Not totally vegetarian. But what was those ones Shelby brought before? And she was like, oh, you need to try them. And they had some meaty product in them, but they weren't a meaty. Was it like fire flavour or something? I don't know what they are. I think she's coming up for a year being a veggie now. Oh, really? Yep. I'm sorry if you hear noises in the background, by the way, listeners. I'm in the living room with the guinea pigs and the rabbit. And they're rattling away in the cage there. Can you hear them? I can. I know what to listen for, so I can hear them. Yeah. But I've got but... Max's new sound line beside me. Yeah, so if you hear a noise, we live in a zoo. That's the noises. And that's a weird thing that people might not know. We're in the same house, but in different rooms doing this over stereo. We are. We live in the same house. So, look, we do other podcasts together, but when we go live for the stereo, we do it this way. 
but it's nice. It's like having a wee phone conversation and we're forced to speak to each other to keep it going. Whereas if we're in the same room, we'd probably just sit in silence and smoke. I talk, you talk. You One of us <clears> annoy <throat> each other more than the other, but that's the way it goes. This is our fourth episode of the podcast. Four? That's Four. More than Matrix films? Yeah. So, if you, you want to hear a depressing fact? Yeah. This would have been Chris Benoit's son Daniel's 21st birthday today. Holy Mother of Christ. I know. That's a, that's a I, rough one. What? Why have you, why have you started us off with that? No, I, I just came, it just came up on my my Facebook earlier, and I was like, that's that's grim. For the first time, we might need to actually edit this in post before we put it onto the Spotify and Apple Google Podcast because you've taken it to a dark place. No, I'll just bring that up. Let's let's start another one, right? I've got like, in case of dark place, where are they now? Your favorite stars of comedy. All right. So, where would you like to know? Would you like Faulty Towers, Men Behaving Badly, My Family? Mm, men Behaving McKay? Badly. Okay. Gary Strang, Martin Clunes, who's went on to do... He's playing Doc Martin in the long run ITV drama, Doc Martin. He also... I love that. He also starred in the 1998 film Shakespeare in Love, which I didn't know. And since really? 2013, Clunes 59 has lived on a farm in Dorset and received an OBE for services to drama. Services to drama. Which I didn't Do you know. know he is six foot three? I did not know that. He is a tall man. He's a big, tall, huge man. And the rest of them doing? Tony Smart, Neil Morrissey. The actor took over from the original Gary, the flatmate. Dermot Pony. Yeah. I've never seen any of the Dermot episodes. It's not good. No. Did they kind of catch catch on in series two? Yeah, I feel it did. Bracey liked the first season, but I feel like the second season was like much better. I liked it when Tony came in. I like Tony. Me and Tony have similar things. He was he went on to do the voice of Bob the Builder. He was in Line of Duty and Waterloo Road. I Which heard, I like, a couple of years ago that Leslie Ash had started a restaurant with Gordon Ramsay. Is that a true thing? Um, it doesn't say anything about that here. It says that she's had two sons with a football player and she had butch collagen implants in her lips. Jesus. This is from she the star. She the world back in the day. She, she was involved in the, the voicemail phone hacking business. Was she? Yeah. I did not know that. I like back in the day that they sued News of the World and you know that Glenn Mulcair, the private investigator that the paper had, and they had hacked into their voicemails and stuff like that, and I think they got a whole bunch of money out of them. How it's done? Does that go <clears> back to your what's his name? For when's the funeral guy? Was it him? Hugh that, Grant. Was it, was it Hugh, around Hugh Grant time? Um, it must have been. I guess it was about the same sort of time. All right. So, other things is we always talk about shopping local, and you shopped local today. You bought. I shopped local today. I bought um, a cool pair of joggies and a cardigan from Parma Vintage. 
I've always been a fan of Parma Vintage. Like my mum likes it, so I was always down with that. And now it's online, and I like how they've moved from like sixties vintage dresses to comfy stuff to keep up. It's yeah, great. <clears throat> definitely keep it up with what's going on. And on we're shopping local and supporting local. The pandemic's been a hard time for everybody, and it's important that we support our friends and neighbours. So, yet again, we're partnering with our pals at the Inverclyde Boiler Company. And you can find them on social media at the Inverclyde Boiler Company, but it's got wee underlashes amongst other things, and they can help you whenever you need. And they've actually got a new showroom coming. Did you see the, the showroom? Where is that showroom? I've seen the photos of it and I was like... I think it's actually up next to the, the what's it called, place that does the headstones, because I saw that theirs was kind of in the picture, like their, re- their re-signage at the front, what's it called? I'll over at Orangefield, anyway. Oh, I know the place. Yeah, so it's going to be over there, but I, it looks really, really cool, and it's all brightly painted, and I asked if we could visit, and if we got tea and biscuits, and Shane said yes. So we'll be over there, reading their tea and biscuit stores, and you should definitely keep the number on your phone, Follow them on social media. You never know when your boiler's going to conquer or you're going to need some help like with stuff like that. And I don't know how to do stuff like that. But Shane is very nice, very clever, and he will help you. I love a good showroom. They always have they always mm. have those coffee machines that you put in the pods and stuff. And like going to a showroom for a boiler company, you know it's going to be nice and roasty toasty. Shane <laughs> has said that we can have tea and biscuits. That is an ideal place to sit and have a wee chat and a wee nap, if nothing you me- else. Do you remember that time you went with the young one, Scarlett, and she just helped herself to tea and thing from a one of those machines. Yeah, that is true. We shouldn't take her over there because it might yeah. eat them out of house and home if we take her. She tried to murder me again today. Mm. But, uh, I do no my nice thing. Life. I do my nice thing and uh, I put myself forward to play Roblox with her. And every time that she does it, I play a baby and she plays the adult and she takes me to school and stuff but her new thing is now is just taking me to the bridge and flinging me right off then laughing and running away it makes her happy it happened about 15 times today I just get dunked in the water then she would help me out and she gave me a pizza then she flung mm-hmm. me back in the water yeah Um. should we get started and get going with this news should we, is, is that enough like banter and we can move on to witty the heavy, banter heavy stuff? Witty banter. We should start with some local stuff first for our Greenock people and Rickleigh Greenock people. Um, first of all, we got a letter in this morning, and I'm sure other people might have done if they live in the town centre as well, of a proposed car garage. Um, Clyde Car Sales, Mr Ian Hammond, he's going to be having a, a car showroom at, at 12 Jamaica Street, and this is the council letting us know in case we've got any objections to this. And I don't have any objections, do you? Is that where Pipers used to be? Um, I where the funeral home thing was, but it's going to be affecting Jamaica Lane, which is my concern, because that's where we drive down to come back into the car park. And if they start putting blockades or something up there and making it difficult for us, it'll be annoying. Although you're the place for the vans burnt out then? Would that be like a yeah. showroom? So it's like the corner of Jamaica Lane and Jamaica Street, so it's just right there, like behind the, the church thing. I know it. You can put yourself on mute, William. I did, then it made a weird noise. Right, second thing. Do not tell us today, we have a message from our fearless leader, Ronnie Cowan, um, talking about how the council is freezing the council tax. Um, we talked about that last week as well. 
Um, this is in view of the UK government's doing their going to be doing their budget on March third. Um, you know the ramifications of that because like us, he is saying that it's not going to go sort of unpaid for that we're getting this kind of tax freeze at this time. It's going to come back on us at some point. I always um, love the budget. You know that. Yeah, well, the budget is the next big issue. That's going to be what's happening. So I always see how much. Like, it's not even as funny anymore because, like, Weatherspoons and pubs and that put on, like, pre budget pints and they're like, we'll sell them for the right price and all this. Mm-hmm. But, but that's not going to happen. There are no pubs. Um, there's been. Um, the whole day, just the, the Alex Salmon thing. So should we dive into that? Let's go straight straight for the salmon. Let's go for it. Straight for the salmon. So we've been no. talking about this and talking about it and talking about it and it seems like everybody has, but the committee is drawing to a conclusion. It's all going to be over soon. And this testimony today from Alex Salmon was one of the most sort of highly anticipated and exciting thing for everybody. Everybody was expecting drama and intrigue and everything to come along and to be a big dramatic session and he did say some interesting things but I think personally most of these interesting things had been told ahead of time so he didn't have that many bombshells to make and also the fact as well that if he had dropped bombshells in there it would have been illegal and he'd have been back in court again but the main the biggest takeaway that I took from it was his opening remarks to the committee and there were some good quotes in there and I would like to share them I'll try not to read too much of them. You can go and read them in your own time, but there's a few things in there that I'd like to um, read over and discuss. What he said is, the reason I'm here today is because we can't turn the page and move on until decision-making, which is undermining the system of government in Scotland, is addressed. Collectively, these events shine a light on a government whose actions are no longer true to the principles of openness, accountability and transparency, which are the core principles in which the Scottish Parliament was founded. I remember I was there. And that is very powerful, isn't it? That is really strong. And also the way it's standing on, like, is that shitting on the SNP? Like, I thought like, him leaving the SNP, he would still be an SNP through and through. He took them through the dark ages in a certain way. Basically, to, like... uh, to protect the party, he had to sort of leave and have no ties to it if the SNP and if independence was ever going to have a future to continue he he couldn't have any sort of ties to them he wanted his name cleared and stuff like that with a view of coming back later on but then as we know events dear boy events and I'm, I'm supposing that he's never going to be part of the SNP ever again but as he said today in committee he is still a strong advocate of Scottish independence but he doesn't believe that the current leaders of the Scottish government are the correct ones um, as we know, he's accused Nicola Sturgeon of misleading Parliament and, and breaking the ministerial code. So I think, I mean, I felt like today I was watching some like acrimonious divorce proceedings between the two of them. And I feel like when they see her apparently next week, it's going to be just much the same mudslinging between them both. So from somebody that used to be like his protege, best friend and everything, he is in there to take her down. I feel like, like I think he wants her gone. Do you think that he tried to get it to last, like, to the last minute so he could get it closest to the election? Um, I think so, and 
but the thing is, what they tell is like when you're studying journalism, they say to you quite often people like things to be put out on a Friday because then it will get lost in the sort of news run. Whereas if you put it out on a Monday, it will be put in all the papers. It will be dragged through a week. But if you do it on a Friday, it will kind of sneak by over the weekend, and it'll, you won't have to go through a whole week of living this and stuff. So the fact that he wanted to go today was a bit surprising, I think. But you could be right in that he wanted to hold on until the last possible minute. Also, that's the Sunday papers too. That's like the big. The big thing that like it can just snowball onto that. Yeah. Um, if I can read you another quote from the opening statement of Alex Salmond, he said, However, the move to independence, which I have sought all my political life and continue to seek, must be accompanied by institutions with leadership which is robust and strong and capable of protecting each and every one of its citizens from arbitrary authority. Such a principle is a central component of the rule of law. It matters to every person in Scotland as much as it has always done. It is the bedrock of our democracy, of justice and of fairness. Um, and on that, there's a few things that we should talk about. One of Alex Salmon's big thing, and it was one of his big things as well, even when he was First Minister back in the day, the Lord Advocate, James Wolfe QC. The Lord Advocate um, is the, the sort of principal legal advisor to the Scottish Government, but also has a sort of dual role in that they're head of the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service and they're a minister, minister of the Scottish Government and its principal legal advisor. So in this point, James Will QC sort of has a conflict of interest and Alex Salmond, when he was First Minister, sort of um, stopped the Lord Advocate attending as much ministerial meetings as he possibly could. He didn't feel he should have such an active role in Scottish Government. And now he's in this point where he was sort of in the prosecution for Alex Salmond the defence of the Scottish Government, there's a definite conflict of interest there. Do you have any sort of views on this, Brownie? So, he's the thing of the Crown, is he not? He is the head of the Crown Office and Procurator Fiscal Service. Yep. And so he's playing on both teams then, technically? Yep, he is very much having a sort of dual role. At the moment, and, and Alex Salmond does not feel like it's fair, and this is one of the big things that he's bringing up. There's a lot of things that he feels needs revamped, and that he feels that the, the, the government isn't almost fit for purpose, I suppose would be a way to say it. Um, some things need change, and one of those changes is the, the, the role of the Lord Advocate. Would you say, like, I know this is really stupid saying this, would you say the Lord Advocate should be in the sort of way like the Speaker of the House is in Parliament, like when he goes for it, he drops all political, all political leanings. Yeah, yeah. And... I feel like he should. Either, like I feel like it should be two people. Maybe that they do work in tandem, and there's an office that you know these two people head up and stuff like that. But I don't feel that this one individual can take on that role and and conduct it fairly. That's just my personal opinion. Like obviously, I I don't know the man. He's just so far shown no reason to think that he's anything other than reliable and accountable and things. My personal opinion, though, is that somebody that is the head of the, of the prosecution service against somebody and also simultaneously a minister of the Scottish Government and its principal legal advisor cannot, in this sort of situation with a committee like this, in this sort of unique situation that we're in, play a fair and balanced role in, in, in conducting it in an unbiased way because you can't. Because out with personal biases and things, you're going to have biases of your, your co-workers and the future of your job and all that sort of thing. So I think I wouldn't want to be James Wolfe right now. Not and also the, also the view of it, where like, oh, they got him off or oh, it went that way because he's in the SNP. Mm-hmm. Like, the stupid thing that went to my head there would be like a Celtic supporter 
referee in a Celtic and Rangers game. Mm-hmm. Well, I a, a good way to put it. Um, another person of interest is Leslie Evans. She is the permanent secretary to the Scottish government. You might have heard in committee today, several of the people mentioned, I, I sent this to the permanent secretary, I said this to the permanent secretary, somebody that's mentioned a lot, that person is Leslie Evans. Her role is to be the most senior civil servant in Scotland. And on her official role job description on the Scottish government's website, it says that she um, has included the management of the Scottish government's £42.5 billion budget leading more than 6,500 civil servants who work for the Scottish Government in Scotland, London and across the world. Leslie supports the development, implementation and communication of government policies. This work is undertaken in accordance with the Civil Service Code, upholding its four core values of integrity, honesty, objectivity and impartiality. And things were brought up today about Leslie Evans and that when these allegations of harassment were first brought up, that they were dealt with, quote-unquote, informally and my question was how could allegations of sexual misconduct in the workplace be dealt with informally if somebody had harassed me in the workplace I would very much want that dealt with formally what do you think well I can see like I'm thinking of the same sort of way but thinking of it in a home bargainsy way like would you go to human resources then they would the informal way would be like pulling them in a sign going hey if you're touching bums in here don't be doing that Mm-hmm. next time you'll get a letter we'll have to put it on paper but I'm just letting you know right now this has been brought up which isn't probably the right way that's that's in a shop and this is like I'm just saying the human resources sort of way like is that the way it's happened or should everyone be taken seriously like as soon as that happens like because you could technically just go to the police and over overstep well then you know what I mean yeah. instead of going to your work like, it depends if you trust them or not yeah I know it's a silly wee thing, but we're, I was just watching an episode of John Oliver tonight and it was talking about like things like this, like you know, sexual misconduct and harassment and the Me Too movement and stuff like that. And one of the things he said is that the human resources in a company um, are there to protect the business from liability. They're not there to protect the employees. So when you go to human resources with an issue like this, they're not there for you. They're on the payroll for the company for a certain reason and that's to protect that business. It's nothing to do with you. Oh, yeah, I've I've been taken to human resources before for for something in a place that I work with, and I've seen all that. Do you want me to tell that story, or do you want me to? I mean, is it is it appropriate to this to tell that story? It's actually another one. Look, I I'll just leave it. But it was when I worked for a, a big company in Scotland. And we were brought up and we were told that it was more the only way we would lose our jobs if it went to the papers. And that was it. Like, it didn't matter a fuck if someone was upset. As long as it didn't go to the papers, we could all keep our jobs. Or I could keep my job. Right, okay. Well, that's totally relevant. That's what we're talking about. Um, I do have the email here. The, the, the invitation to committee to Nicola Sturgeon. Um, was sent by email by Linda Fabiani and I've got this email here and in the email um, it, it goes through what the, the committee is interested in and her evidence um, and since that's set to be going next week it's going to be something of interest. What they're interested in from her first of all is when you are first made aware of the existence of complaints that were investigated against Alex Salmond. The second um, when you're made aware was in person or in writing so it's all of this line of questioning for her that we can expect next week is very much when she was made aware because 
apparently that is where she has misled Parliament, you know, allegedly. Um, so it's going to go very much into the details of that. And again, there's another invitation to James Wolfe, QC, the Lord Advocate, um, to attend committee um, and all the things that interest in him. And again, it's round about when he was first made aware, was it in person or was it in writing? Um, any involvement in the decision by the Permanent Secretary to make the existence of the complaints public? Because as we heard Alex Salmon say today, there were instances of meetings where the name of um, Alex Salmon's accusers were made common knowledge within that meeting. And he he said today that three people were there and were made aware of those names. Um, and then, I mean, who knows? They could have went and told somebody else. Um, we know like there's there's been a court case, I'm going to just grab this right now, where somebody actually published the names of those people online. Um, here it is here. A man who tweeted the names of the woman who gave evidence against the former First Minister, Alex Salmond, at his trial has been jailed for six months. Clive Thompson, 52, carried out a blatant and deliberate breach of contempt of court order, banning the identification of the complainers by naming five of them on social media. Lady Dorian, who, who, who oversaw it at the High Court, uh, said that Thompson knew that the order had been made but decided to flout it, believing at the time that his second post that he might be safe from proceedings from contempt of court by being abroad. Um, she said to him, you had thus given thought to how you might get away with it, going as far as to seek advice about that on Twitter. You decided to take a calculated risk. This was a blatant and deliberate breach of the order, which was likely to cause serious stress and concern to the complainers and interfere with the protection extended to them by the order. Um, and she says that his uh, actions were clearly politically motivated. Where was he from? He said that he was abroad at the time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't actually know where he, where he was located at the time, but he was abroad at the time that he'd done it. He, he looked into whether he would get in any trouble by doing that, decided to go ahead and, and name the woman, um, and now he's been jailed for six months. That's mad. Well, why would you do that? Would that just be, like, pretty much to pressure them? Uh, well, why would you name them? Would it be in this... I'm trying to think why would that pre- put them in the spotlight and just because the press would be hound them and they would probably pull the you know what I mean they would probably be like ah I don't want that because mm-hmm. there'd be people at our door and stuff. I mean, in cases like this, there's a lot of good reasons why like complainants in a sexual offence case would be given anonymity, um, and sort of like, like as we know in Scotland, it's not always automatically given that you know somebody in a case like this would be given automatic anonymity it could be ordered by the judge but it's not automatic um but when the complainers tend to by convention get this sort of protection um it's it's one of the reasons for it is like public knowledge of who they are um can sort of be a deterrent to others against making complaints to authorities in case in other cases like this um like sort of if, if it would happen to somebody else and would think i'm not going to say about this because my name's going to be all over the papers i don't want that yeah, without a doubt. Look, that's the last thing because I know it's on a totally different note, but that what happened in that court case thing that I was watching, where that sixteen year old boy got his fourteen year old boy got his name all over the paper for. Mhm. you have you watched all of that yet, or will we talk about it when you've watched it all? I've not watched it all yet. Um, I'll I'll watch it though. We can maybe talk about it Sunday. Okay, we'll cover that. Um, I think we'll move after the Alex Salmon thing now, not the other. That's we do have a lot today. We'll cover it next week. We'll go. Up, we'll come back to it when. I will. I will probably come back to it Sunday like, as well when we do our Sunday yeah. brunch. Um, another thing we've got is the budget. Um, we're coming on Wednesday. 
Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, who's currently preparing his first budget in 12 months, on Wednesday will face the daunting task of juggling unprecedented levels of public spending alongside a massively reduced tax base. Um, there's concerns about furlough, which is probably one of the, the biggest things we're going to, one of the biggest questions that's going to be had from him, it's probably going to address on Wednesday. Um, how Sunak will approach this has been a fairly well-guarded siege up till now, but perhaps a more sectoral approach that targets the most precarious areas of the economy could be one of the solutions. Um, there's still the same um, about a tax freeze, right? So he wants to avoid hitting the consumer in the pocket at a time when the country really needs us all to be out there spending. This will be top of his checklist. While this means income tax will likely remain unaffected, a freeze in personal allowance should not be ruled out. Far more likely, though, is an increase in corporation tax. So that's this coming Wednesday, so we'll probably have more on that this week. That's it also that's a decision on universal credit also, like the extra £20 a week that will be decided also at that time. Yep. What do you have for us? What do I have? I think I've got a couple of things. So, how light do you want? Just whatever you want. Alright, this is one that interested me. If you follow us and you heard us on the other show that we did for the for the college, we were talking about Zodiacs and things. And the thing that I've seen today in the Daily Star, that I'll, nearly half of his, half of people in Britain make financial decisions based on the horoscope. That's one in three of us make big decisions or advice from the Zodiac. Did you just say half of us and That's then one in says. three? That's what it says here. This, this is the Daily Star. The, right. the headline is... Nearly half, half is of, not one in three. It says the big... The header is nearly half of us make financial decisions based on a horoscope and one in three of us made decisions using advice from the Zodiac. Sorry, I missed... Oh, I right, miss, okay. I misspoke. So it's not them, it's you. No, it was me. <laughs> Have you ever done that, though? Have you ever taken financial advice from your, your Zodiac? From my, from my Zodiac? I always read it and it's always... like I put in, I wouldn't say financial advice, but I've put the bonus ball on with the number at the end. It was like 43 red. And I'm like, yep, we'll go put 43 on and see how that goes. Mm. But that's not a big financial decision. That's like a pound scratcher or whatever. That's a, that's usually a pound scratcher or one of those like one on bandit machines that's in the... That's in the... In, I can't even... Wabrooks. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It says Aquarius are most... Are the most money confident star with, 52, with 42% of people happy with their money managing while my skills against 25% of Libra Sagittarius feels out of touch with their finances where Leos are the most confident in financial situations mm. um, I have a story here that would pretend has the potential to get you on a tangent and upset you uh, let's see what we've got um, the BBC Director of Policy, Claire Sumner, is in the papers talking about the TV licence. She says that we need to stand up for it more strongly than ever. Um, the broadcaster is poised to begin discussions with the government about the level of the licence fee after 2022. With the introduction of new streaming service, its future has become a talking point. Claire Sumner said, we have an important few months of debate ahead. We want all those who believe in the social and economic case for Universal BBC for and available to everyone to stand up for it more strongly now than ever. The case for Universal BBC has never been stronger and that the licence fee is widely backed by the public, she says. 
Um, this, these comments sort of came after the government announced that the annual cost of the TV licence will increase from £157.50 to £159 on the 1st of April. Her quote of saying that um, the licence fee is widely backed by the public. What are your feelings on that? Oh, maybe it's just the people I hang about with, but it's really not. Like, people are more frightened of it because it's older people that are scared of people in big vans, or you see those videos online, people come to their, their door shouting at them about it. I'm not, I've never been a fan of it. I've, I just don't, I don't agree with it. I don't agree how much they lie on their site too. Like on their site, they say, if you even play a PlayStation, you owe them money. If you watch, and this is really silly, if you watch the WWE Network, if you watch a pay-per-view, you're mm-hmm. watching live TV and you owe the BBC money. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's fucked up. If you listen to the radio, you owe them money. It's, mm-hmm. And this opened a whole other floodgate as well. There was accusations of BBC bias, and that was one of the big things that people attribute to the failure of the, the Scottish independence referendum in 2014. Um, lack of representation of Scottish people and Scottish content on the BBC. And as we can see, we do have a, a BBC base in Pacific Keys in Glasgow. But if you look at a lot of the programming that comes from there, it, it is English skewed. Like, there's, there's a lot of. English actors, English programmes come up there because the BBC Scotland has the budget and they're kind of using it as a sort of back door as to be able to make these programmes. Do you know so that's a there's... bargain hunt's based? Oh, Sorry. here we go. Bargain hunt's based out of Scotland. Gracie said this would happen and here it is. Because I have a problem with bargain hunt. I always had a fucking problem with bargain hunt with that tan bastard that started to the guy with the fucking weird teeth. I fucking hated them. Like, think about this, right? Think about this, that £30, that they give them £200, that's more than your TV licence for the year, they give them that, and they go fuck it up and buy a vase, and at the end of it they're like, oh, you've made a loss, they're just pissing your fucking TV licence up the wall every single time. Mm-hmm. It's been on for almost 20 years, I think me and Bracey worked out, because Bracey always just sits and likes to wind me up on this sort of thing, I think it worked out to be like a small town, like, could have paid for that whole time, but they went and pissed up the wall for Bargain Hunt. Yeah. Fuck Bargain Hunt. Sorry. And uh, Sorry, in relation to that as well, there's been a, a recent study by Ipsos Mori and the STV um, saying that 52% of people would vote yes in an independence referendum at this time, and 48% obviously being no, um, but support for the breakup of the union has slipped from 56%, which was in November. No data that was been provided for don't knows. Um, the research found that 52% are likely to vote for the SNP in the constituency vote at May's election. 23% indicated the vote for the Scottish Conservatives, 15 for Labour. Um, and there's also been a, a column uh, a, a column in the paper here with comments from our um, Labour um, councillor here, Stephen McCabe, saying that he feels the polls will be difficult to run in the current climate. And he pressed senior officials at a recent council meeting and asked whether the local authority would be able to provide sufficient protection to voters and staff at the polls at the May election, um, saying that he fears that it could be a democratic deficit if people who usually visit the polling station chose not to for fear of catching coronavirus. And he says, I'm very concerned about whether this election can be delivered safely. Um, we have seen coverage of the Catalan election and I'm very concerned about queues. We've seen some evidence from the USA elections that staff are at greater risk of catching COVID as well. So we've got some serious reservations. Do you have any, any concerns about going to vote in, in May? Do you... Well, we live very near our place. 
Mm-hmm. Like we're we're just up the street, and every time we go, we usually go go we we almost go late on, so there's no queue. So I don't know what it's like during the day and stuff, but people don't want to go and stand and think about it because you'd be touching another pen, it'd be another pen, or you'd have to bring your own pen, then you mm-hmm. would be putting it in. It's it's a crisis on that, so like, it's going to be worked out and everyone's going to have to wear gloves, mm-hmm. or you just best just doing it, filling in a card and sent postal vote. Yeah. Um, we actually but, did do a poll on our Instagram on Mouth of the Clyde. If you follow us in there, we're always doing social media interactions over there. Um, we like to hear feedback from you and any views that you've got. And so far, within the past eight hours, 67% um, of most of the Clyde listeners are voting by a postal ballot. 33% are doing it in person. So that shows that the government's drive to get a million voters doing postal ballots for this election is seeming to be successful. Because in the past, I would have said, most of the people in my immediate circle definitely just go to the polls. Yeah, I, I, it's just a wander up the street. I would just usually go to the polls. Um, well, I, I have sorted it for myself for this year because I'm in a sort of higher risk category that I'm going to fill out the form, send it in. I think it's April, very start of April, first week of April. Maybe it's the first of April, I'm not sure. Third, fourth, maybe. First week of April anyway, that's to be back in um, the, to register for your postal ballot. I'm going to do that this year just for safety. Um, it's, I think it's just an easier way to do it just with everything that's going on just now. I think me and Betty will do the same so it's not just, <clears> so we're not all going up. Mm-hmm. That's probably the cleverest way. And on the on the topic of coronavirus, uh, Professor Mark Woolhouse, who is chair of infectious disease epidemiology at Edinburgh University, has told Holyrood's COVID nineteen committee that the actual number of positive coronavirus cases in Scotland never fell below five hundred, according to very well validated modelling. The first minister has insisted Scotland was close to eliminating the virus after the first wave last summer, before infections were receded from other parts of the UK and overseas. Um, but Professor Woolhouse said that Scotland was not close to elimination at any stage during the epidemic. So that's another big accusation there, another committee. So Nicola Sturgeon's up against it just now. This was something I never got. And you were over there, over that sort of area. It was like, we're fucked and can't go for haircuts, right? Mm-hmm. And in New Zealand, are back going to gigs and like got hundreds of people. Like New Zealand just bet it. Well, that lady that I always forget her name, who I'm... I think Jacinda it's Arden. Yeah, Jacinda's just look. One person had it, and they're like, "All right, locked in," and she sorted it all. It's just well, I'm a Australian, um, and very recently there was an outbreak in the part of Australia in Perth where I lived. What happened was there was a gentleman that worked, um, as a sort of porter in a hotel, but and he's 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 off hours. He worked a second job delivering food and things like that, and it was a delivery thing. So sometimes it'd be. It wouldn't just be food, it would be you'd go to the you know, the grocery store for you, you'd go to the pharmacy, do various different wee tasks for you and deliver it to your house. This person came down with COVID-19 um, and immediately the whole state went into lockdown. The whole state of Western Australia, which if you see it on a map, looks almost like half the country. It's absolutely enormous. The whole state went into lockdown um, for, I think, a period of five days or seven days, maybe. Everybody was locked down due to this one individual. And all the sort of media over there made sure that they, that, that they published this list um, which the sort of public health body had taken of where this man was at, at each shop he was in for how long, on which days and which time. That was very widely circulated, so everybody knew this man had it, this is where he was, this is how to get a test if you're feeling symptomatic and stuff. They took it extremely seriously, and within a week, it was all opened back up again. Everything's totally fine again. Like, that's how you deal with it. And that's how it's fucking done. 
you see that, then you see in America people not wearing masks and getting shouted at in shops. Then you see over here people getting their sunflower things and putting it on, and that's them. They no longer have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, on the sort of Scotland's exit plan of lockdown, I mean, um, the National Clinical Director, Professor Jason Leach, again, the COVID committee that Mark Lowhouse spoke to that we just heard about there, um, has suggested that quite a lot of the country could move straight into level two, but has warned that a lack of progress has given us cause for reflection. Um, he suggested that when tiers are reintroduced in the last week of April, as is expected to happen, it could be done more on a regional basis rather than individual local authorities. But I would imagine if you're listening to this, you're based in the Clyde sort of region, we fall into the Greater Glasgow Clyde, which typically is the worst sort of one nationwide. So I don't expect that we'll be moving anywhere at any time soon. What do you think? If you remember, like, when all of Glasgow, like, Greenock was the only place that went into level two, if you remember. Everybody, or went into level three and they went into level four. That's right. So we went straight into it, like, a week after. We fucked up. We, mm-hmm. we fucked up bad. I'm sure that was that the time that there were pictures of word up, or was that at, I think mm. that might have been at Christmas? No, it was before Christmas. I think it was when we were in the three. Yeah, so that didn't work out well. But on that note, right, do you know when Maxim Newtown's birthday is? Because I want to see if we can put a bet here. It's the 25th of June. 25th of June, right? So who do you think will be able to go to get a pint? Me, Maxim Newtown, Bracey, or you? What one of us will be able to go to the pub for a for a birthday? Mm. Bracey, but I won't be able to. So I'm saying that in August you'll be able to go out and have a pint, but by September you won't. Are you saying that you could sit outdoors or sit indoors for Br- or would it be a pub garden? I would say you'd sit in a beer garden for Bracey's birthday in August. By my birthday in September, you're going fucking nowhere. You're back in the house. So, we think Bracey, so Bracey is a non-drinker of us. Mm-hmm. Can go for his, his lemonade and a fancy pint glass. Mm, that's it. Um, well, oh, 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 you know what we should talk about when we're talking about vaccines? Mm-hmm. The Queen has said that her jag didn't hurt at all. And that people should think about others rather than themselves. She feels that the vaccine makes you feel protected, and that feels very important. It was quite harmless, she said, and she likened the coronavirus to a plague. Um, what do you think of that? Was she about when the plague hit? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, was that not like nineteen twelve or something? Was she not? No, the queen was not about for the plague. Right. So sorry about that. She's got to be stiff up a lip anyway. She was out fixing fucking cars and stuff through World War Two. The lady's been about. But for the government's perspective, that's a massive thing for the Queen to come out and say something like that. Like the government could spend millions of pounds on advertising, trying to encourage people to go to their COVID jab, but wouldn't they as much good as what the Queen just saying a couple of words on a Zoom call done? Like That's probably done a massive amount of good for doing that. Can I mention something silly that kind of links to that? Yeah. See, with the polio vaccine, on Ed Sullivan, they got Elvis to get the polio vaccine mm-hmm. live on air. And that was like that was like the 50s and all the groovy kids. If Elvis, the king of pop, can get it, so mm-hmm. can you. So that's what they need. They need to get a face. And if 
if the Royal one imagines the face of it. Yeah. While we're on the Royals, have you seen James Corden's show? Oh fucking hell! They were. <laughs> like, it was such. It was the most fluffiest fluff piece ever. Like, fuck knows what. Like, I watched. So it what we're morning. talking about, if you've not seen it, is, um, Harry Prince Harry, current resident of Santa Barbara, was on the James Corden show, also known as Smithy from Gavin and Stacey. They went on an open top bus around Los Angeles and drove around and talked about Britain and how very terrible it is and why they're in America. And they went to the Fresh Prince's house, so he could be the Fresh Prince living in the Fresh Prince's house. The most cringy moment for me was right at the very beginning where he was going on the bus and says, Oh, James, you know us royals don't carry cash in the most fucking previously scripted moment I've ever seen on television in my life. The whole thing was, or when they were like, so what's your opinion on Netflix, like, doing The Crown? And it was like, well, people know that's not based in reality. And it's mm-hmm. only that. And it shows you the sort of queen and country and the, the pressures that we're all under. Not that it shows you that my dad's a fucking scumbag mm-hmm. and, like, and all that. But he is he not getting a big fucking massive check for being on Netflix? He's also getting... uh, I think he's getting eighteen million pounds or eighteen million dollars or something for being on Spotify and Netflix. Huge, huge amounts of money. He's they're doing all right. So, if you really think about it and you want to like tie it all back, is this not like I'm not good with names? Like King Edward, is that not like that? Like he abdicated and he went and lived with the American Wallace and... Simpson. Wallace Simpson and stuff. Series one. Yeah, that's that's what it's been like into, yeah. Series one. Yeah. And I can also link it that he was friends with the Nazis and he dressed up as a Nazi on his eighteenth party. Swings and roundabouts. All ties together. (laughs) All ties together nicely. Did he not smoke a joint once and his dad took him to like a like a heroin place? I like a fucking drug addict centre of some sort. Uh-huh. Um, there was something else I wanted to talk about. Um, we put a poll as well on Mouth of the Clyde, seeing if you've noticed um, an increase in pay-to-use ATMs in your area, because um, it's been shown here in new research that Glasgow North West constituency has seen a 45% drop in free ATMs in the past two years, from 86 to 47. Meanwhile, the number of pay-to-use cash points has shot up from 11 to 34 representing an increase of 209% over that period. Um, and that's been done by the website Witch. Um, and the, the head of that, Gareth Shaw, said everyone should have reasonable access to their own money without having to pay. The government needs to swiftly set out its plans for the future of cash. Legislation is a fundamental part of this and there's an urgent need for a clear time frame when it will be in place so the industry and regulators can work with the government to ensure that cash is protected as a payment method for those who have no other option. And while it might not seem like a massive deal, for somebody that is on a low income or doesn't have a lot of money left, and we've been in that position, I'm not going to sit in front and lie, there's times that you're absolutely broke and to pay a fee of £2 can mean the difference between not being able to get that fiver or that tenner at your bank. These things do happen. They happen to people, your friends, your neighbours, without you being aware. So only having access to those types of machines, not everybody's got a car, not everybody can get any further. So if all that's near you is a machine that you have to pay 
two quid or three quid to use, that makes a difference between you being able to get that money at the bank and potentially feed you and your family and, and not having any money at all. So it's a huge difference and people should have easy access to their own money and especially now in the middle of pandemic, imagine having to travel further than, than you really have to in order just to get cash at the bank. What do you think on this? I know it's affected you in the past as well. Yeah, I'm going to give two public service announcements there. That vaporise the machine there is a cash is a two pound one pound ninety six or some shit like that. And the one I'm not sure if it still is. You we've used it before, but it changes now and again when people get mad at it. The one at John Menzies or fucking John Menzies, uh, the ye old W H Smith used to be W H Smith, yeah. Yeah, but that was one too. And also the other note, Virgin, the Virgin Bank that has opened up also gives out £5 notes, which is fucking great. If you, <laughs> I love it. The fa- I, could, I could easily give you a map of all the Fiverr banks in Greenock where I'm like, fuck, I need to get, I've only got like £6 on my account. I know, but it does happen and like, it, for some people it's a real serious issue. And it's like we were mm. talking about something the other day about how um, people in sort of quote-unquote what the press have called deprived areas are more likely to be given a fine, a, a COVID-related fine, than people in more well-to-do areas. And so this is just another sort of tax on the poor. It's just another way of people making money out of people that don't fucking have it. It's just, it, it absolutely infuriates me. It's usually in, like, spars or nizza shops or whatever they're called. The uh-huh. those like pay machines are. That's what I've noticed. And I would like to know like if people listen to this that live in like the other bits of Greenock. I live in the town, so it doesn't really matter. Like, because I would you think the town we would get busted a lot for that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. there's so many boy racers that get. I might ask boy racers that I know, like, do they get pulled over a lot, like for like just sitting in their car? Like, I does that count? A bit of research on that. Yeah, I'll. I'll ask my boy race for friends. <laughs> okay. Um, I've got another uh, one here. Scotland's health service is facing a perfect storm of huge waiting lists, backlogs and consultant vacancies, which are more than double official estimates, according to a new report. A freedom of information research by BMA Scotland suggests that over 15% of consultant posts are empty ones, vacancies which are not being advertised or which health boards have tried, to, tried and failed to fill. I know it sounds boring and I'm just reading out statistics and things here, um, but to put this in perspective, uh, the equivalent of a whole large hospital could be staffed from vacancies left out of the official figures. It's an enormous, enormous amount. So basically they're saying the Scottish government data is not indicative of what's actually going on. They're putting the vacancy rate at around 6.3% and the trade union has warned that that's significantly underestimating the scale of the problem. It's a very scary thing, especially coming out of COVID when a lot of procedures have been delayed and things, people waiting for various operations and things to be done. And really, it's not just the lack of, it's, it's not just the fact that there's a backlog of this, it's the fact that there's not actually the staff in the hospital to, to carry out these operations. It's a real concern. I've been waiting for over a year to see a physical therapist about my knees. And I've not heard every time I asked, they would be like, oh, we've sent it up, we've sent it up, and then when I phoned, mm. They were like they were. It's only really serious things that they're looking for right now. So that I don't know who's who they're taking, or even just give me something to like work on. Like my knees are killing me all the time. Like they keep telling me they want to cut like my pain medicine until I see this person, and mm-hmm. I can't see this person. So it's a giant loop. Like mm-hmm. nobody's nobody's covering anything on that. Mm-hmm. 
it's pretty depending and it's a thing most people or a lot of people are are in this same situation which is upsetting but for right now we just need to do what we can do and get through um this pandemic but to uplift it a little bit i've got a nice story somebody doing something kind and helpful to people during the pandemic are you ready for this make me smile actually make me smile a kind-hearted chip shop owner is giving away five thousand meals to school children worth more than £20,000 to ensure, to ensure no children go without hot food. Harry Murdochie, 40, has dished out vouchers for families to use at his chip shop, St Andrew's Restaurant and Takeaway in Edinburgh. Children who receive free school meals have been given the voucher to allow them to 10 hot meals from the chippy. How lovely is that? Salt and sauce for everyone. Salt and sauce for everyone. So them kids, well, they not, might not have the financial means and stuff like that. They're not going to get to miss out. They're going to get to have something to go and, and cheer them up, make sure they've got something hot to eat. I think that is a good guy. That makes me very, very happy. I would be I would be hitting pizza suppers every night. Just be... And, like, I mean, we've both went to school and both been friends and known people that and sometimes been in them situations themselves where you don't have that money and stuff like that and things like that are just not an option for you. So the fact that somebody's going out their way to help their local community like that, I think it's just a lovely thing. Oh, it's amazing that somebody's do, especially a chippy. Like I love like, how every chippy's always old, owned by an Italian man, an older <laughs> Italian. That second name, right away. <laughs> and it's it'll be good stuff though. Aye, that is, it's nice. It's like I was just thinking this yesterday how quite often you'd seem you know things might seem a bit helpless, you might seem a bit down and stuff like that, but just to look around what's actually around your local area, what you've got. It makes you feel lucky so <clears throat> a story like that or last night I was looking around on Twitter and one of the local primary schools here St Andrews were sharing their classwork that they've done in the past week and the kids there had had to go and make an advert for a house that a fairy would live in and put like a real estate poster of what they would do and it was just so interesting so I think it was primary five so for about 10 or, 10 or 11 years old is that about, is that about right for primary five? Oh yeah 10 or 11 because primary seven is 12. So, right, so about 10 uh, or 11 year olds say that sort of age and um, they've done these posters and they've advertised and they've got hot tubs in the wee fairy houses and you know all this can be yours for only £50 and stuff like that. It was so cute wasn't it Brownie? It was so cute. I I love seeing that. I love when Scarlet Lovins will let you see Scarlet's work and I always find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's just something silly but it just made me so happy. There's like kids in this area that are that are creative and, and happy and excited about things. And I, I brought my attention to another thing because we're actually we're going to be doing an interview tomorrow. Um, let me just grab this here. Tomorrow with the Prominence Academy of Performing Arts and Lauren and Lynette, who run that, are going to be speaking to us. We're going to have that on Mouse McClay coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. They're hoping to open a Performing Arts Academy just on our street in Jamaica Street here in Greenock Town Centre. Um, it's going to have places for... Um, for, for kids to go and do dancing and a whole bunch of other activities and stuff like that and I think like anything to bring the arts to Greenock cannot be a bad thing I'm very very supportive of that and I hope they're successful when they're planning that location and we're going to speak to them um, and have some details on that I think that's going to be a great thing I probably would have done that when I was younger there weren't any like all I had was karate like I would yeah. have went to I would have went to like a performing arts thing that would have been more fun than than Kata with Grandmaster Billy and we have been, we've been subjected this week to to William practicing his his karate again. He's coming back to him. He's he's thinking back to the old days. I was when I was eight. I was a orange belt with two green tabs. I believe with Sensei Billy. 
and the James Walker. Because the, the lots of people, right, there must be hundreds of shit that you've started and you've you've probably bought the outfit, like being a dancer or or went and did football or something like you know, yeah, like, after school. What what have you tried? What have, what is the things that hobbies that you've tried when you were a wee girl? Well, you, everybody can see on a, on warmhouseofclyde.com, I put a blog post on this week how we went and seen the art skill being ripped down. I used to attend there and do dancing lessons. I've I've went to the shows there, but I've I've I was never a dancer. I've I've I'm not a very good dancer. I I'm trying to think. I've did karate. I did I did five aside. I, I went to the scouts for like two weeks. Also, that wasn't fun. This actually segues quite nicely into our next segment. Since we're talking about art skill being knocked down and about new developments to be knocked about Scotland shite holes. Do you have news for us on Scotland shells? Oh, that gets people's cancelled. It is what celebrities are calling shite holes because of Gordon Ramsay on his new telly show, which I was actually meant to be in the audience for, but I forgot to click the link. Were you really? I, like, I go in for all those. Remember, I've got that BBC thing, so mm. like we were going to go see... like. All the cool bands that play in the place in Glasgow, me and Ash had tickets to go see Leo Sayre. <laughs> <laughs> we were right, so go... what celebrities are saying that Scotland is a shithole? Gordon Ramsay, everyone's favourite Scot that doesn't actually have a fucking Scottish accent, mm-hmm. said, that, said that Falkirk is a shithole, and like every person in the show, Falkirk just told me to go fuck himself, pretty much. Nice. Who else? All right, we've got Gerard Butler. I'm going to talk like He's Gerard from Butler. Paisley. From... Yes, from Paisley. I always thought he was from Renfrew, where he mentioned that growing up in Paisley was like a war zone. It was, you would get, even going out to play, you'd get wounded or killed, but it turned out he I was actually from a posh bit of Paisley, so he can go fuck Ralston. himself on that too. Yep. Ralston, Mo- yeah. Gerard Butler has what we call a transatlantic accent, if we're trying to be nice. But in Scotland, we just say he talks like Fanny. No, you just get pulled on it. Mm-hmm. I always love that when you see Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway. Like Drew McGalloway, yep. Drew McGalloway, where you hear his accent and you just hear his pals going, why'd you talk like that? You, mm-hmm. you sound like that You sound like a clown. Like fucking world champion, he still was like, ha checking nick of you. Another one on that note is one of my favourites that she caught the morning train. Of Sheena Easton, who's from Bells Hill. Under nine seconds, I will get pulled. Ash, this won't go oh. up if you go. Oh, shit. Right. So she played a festival in in Glasgow in 1919, came out with a Yankee Draw. And guess what Scotland did to her? What? They hit her with bottles of piss. Oh, God. God bless Glasgow. It, the words that used in the paper is the urine-filled bottles were were thrown at Miss, Miss, East, Miss Easton and she vowed that she would never play Scotland again. This was in 1990 and she's kept her word. She's never played Scotland again. Jesus. 
See, speaking to you know earlier on, I was saying about how we get that letter in the mail today about the car showroom that's getting done in Greenwich Town Centre. We also got a piece of mail from Willie Rennie of the Scottish Liberal Democrats, setting out his positive plans for Scotland and asking us to vote for him. Did it just not just say please, 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 but spelt wrong? Fucking Willie Rennie. Just there's something about his face that I just don't trust. It looks as if he would have been like maybe a geography teacher or. Or something like that, or maybe he should be like a policeman, like, a, like, a, like you know, like Di Willie Rennie or something like that. He doesn't look like he should be a politician. Uh, it, Willie Rennie, so it's Willie. We are you in there, Willie Rennie? Willie Rennie. Who do you think is going to be the new Labour leader? Fuck knows. Like, are they not like four of them? Like they can fight it to the death. Like no one. Gets I don't a... think it matters a fuck who gets it because Scotland are over Labour completely. But I think Anna Starwar is going to be the new Labour leader. Yeah, that's who I thought. I just didn't want to butcher his name, so I just like <laughs> I like you to swing <laughs> at him first. But I, it's not the eighties, and we've got Billy Bragg. Did I send you that photo? And it was like Billy Bragg, and he was playing like in a council estate for Labour in nineteen eighty nine, and it looked like oh God, really? All like. Up in Glasgow, I'll send you the photo. It was on that record shop you like. They posted it. This is irrelevant for our listeners. We should be doing this in the rain time. We'll get back I, to the news. I thought you had something about I, Mr. Potato Head. I do. No, no. Can can you not dead name Omash? I'm sorry. You you go he, ahead with that. He, he is now just the artist potato. formerly known as Mr. Potato. He's now just Potato Head. Okay. They've they've now. He no longer because he comes with all the toy. What they're technically doing is they're screwing themselves out here, because because you got Mister Potato Head, Mrs Potato Head, Baby Potato Head, and the Mister Potato Head would come with with male bits like the stash and stuff, and Mrs Potato Head would come with like relative lady things, and they had two toys, but now they're just calling it Potato Head, and it comes with all of them. I'm just actually talking because I'm trying to find a bit of. Oh, here we're here. But maybe that's better for, for, you know, like, not putting gender roles and stuff on the children. I can see why they're doing it and stuff like that, but mm. as a company decision, as a financial decision, they're probably they're probably cutting themselves out of some profit and stuff there, but as a cultural decision, it's probably quite a nice thing. The the headline is the end for Mr. Spudge... That's the end of for Mr. Spudge gender. Stormer's toys made neutral. And what fucking paper is this from? This is from the Daily Star. Mhm. Um, how people they're using PC gone mad and all this kind of shit. Have you ever seen the original Mister Potato Head? No. Like what it is is you had a toy in the house, and it just came with like the wee bits, like the eyes and the nose and stuff, but they were on nails, and you just stuck them into new toys. They kind of got rid of that because kids were fucking chibbing, taking them to school and chibbing each other, and they made it go all plastic and stuff because. Giving children pointy things is probably not a good idea. Um, but and what about poor Lady Gaga? Oh, this is this is nonsense. Wait, Lady Gaga was the whole idea here, right? Is Lady Gaga was looking for a reward because her dogs have been so some cunt's been shot. I know. That's the thing. I kind of don't want to keep talking about old Gustavo and Miss Asia and stuff like that. They've been stolen and stuff like that. And, I'm like, the fucking man was shot four times. Like, he's going to guest star in the next fucking 50 Cent album. Like, is the guy all right? Oh, Ryan Fisher, 30, 
was walking Koji and Miss Alyssa and Gustavo around 9.40pm when he was targeted by two men for a French boot. What are they going to do here? Are they going to, like, send her, like, a lead in the post and shit? You know what I mean? Like, is is it... Is she going to get, like, have to do a drop and all that? My curiosity was on to the Gmail account they had listed for information about the dog. Because I was like, how many fans are going to message to that and being like, I'm sorry, Gaga, I love you, Gaga. And like, all this stuff, people have no idea anything about the dogs. We're going to up their time on the, the Gmail account talking about the dogs. I hope the, the dogs are okay, of... though. It's my main thing. I hope they've... I hope they're. I hope. I hope they are using them with the the aim to blackmail some money out of her and stuff, and not because they're going to hurt the dogs or something like that. I hope it's nothing like that. And but I think they've obviously been watching this man. It's the dog walker because if the if they've targeted him at a certain time and it was like they said it was two men with baseball caps with guns, all this stuff. This man must walk the dogs at a certain time for them to be sitting primed and ready outside of this house because she's been seen with the dogs in the press and paparazzi and stuff a lot of times. People would know that it's her dogs. I think whoever it is has obviously been waiting for this walk to happen that they knew would happen. So you're saying this was a planned dog napping? I think it's a planned dog napping. I do. See, the thing here is that you've never you've never watched John Wick, have you? No, I haven't. I don't like Keanu. someone kills John. How can you not like the Keanu the Renaissance, the Keanu Renaissance? It's happened over the last couple of years that you've came back and. Everyone loves him again. But John Wick's about someone kills his dog, then over the next hour and a half, Keanu kills pretty much the population of New York because somebody killed his dog. And that's what's going to happen here. Mother Monster's going to go to town and just start murdering people, straight murdering people, mm, just yeah. because of taking her... Well, think well, of this, right? Your dog, would you not go fucking mental? Yeah. Look at... Bracey has a, a very Keanu Reeves look. If someone took Max News Hound, Bracey would go out and stop murdering people politely. Politely. Oh, speaking of Max and Newshound, there's a competition on on Mouth of the Clay just now. If you want to go on our Instagram, um, there's a picture of Max and Newshound, and if you send in pictures of your pet, it doesn't need to be a dog, it can be any type of pet, a horse, fish, anything. Send the picture of your pet and to be friends with Max and Newshound, and we will get you a bag of treats for your pet. There's also another competition where if you subscribe to this podcast and comment on the, the Instagram that tells you've done it, we will buy you your dinner. We will buy you £30 worth Domino's. We will. And we'll even throw an ice cream on that. And, and that Listen, £30 pound deal. We're not lottery winners. Like, like you can have £30. Like, maybe a, a pound or meant, two over. But... If, if, you, if you get a good deal or something that's a pound or two over 30 we might stretch to that. But don't be adding in £5 tubs of ice cream and stuff like that. Like, there's an offer on in Ben and Jerry's and stuff in Tesco. Like, if you want a Ben and Jerry's, we'll get you one from Tesco. <laughs> Aye, and we're not paying delivery, you've got to go pick that up. Unless it's a delivery order. And you mm. must be responsible for tipping the person, don't be leaving service people out untipped, that's not nice. Have you been seeing that lately, like, the, there was a guy, I can't remember, I think it's in Texas, and that he came back and he was he was going on about how, because I find that odd also, like, we pay now online, we deliver and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And because we pay it online, we never really have cash to give. Because usually, when you're paying like twenty pound to someone, and it would say seventeen pound, you'd be like keep it three pound, and that would be yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now because it's went digital, I don't feel we we tip drivers. Look, look, I, I don't feel I tip drivers enough. I but know, I, and know I feel bad as... about that. Yeah. Because they just hand it over and they run and like you're, you're 
I'll use the excuse that everyone's running on COVID and they don't want to touch or be near people. I know. It's and hard to give them money. Well, like, usually, like, in days past, I would, like, because we've got a, a ceramic cupcake in our kitchen and that's where we keep, like, all our chains and stuff like that. Usually, I would have, like, a couple of pounds in there and I would give it to a delivery driver. Like, even if I've paid the stuff online, I would give him some cash when he comes. But in, like, COVID times, I'm like, is somebody going to be okay to take cash? You know, like, there's a sort of funny thing around it. But, yeah, we should be tipping delivery drivers, really. Have you seen the Domino's man that's got a stick? What he does, he puts it at the door and he uses a stick to tap it, then he stands over the other bit. Is that him that always bit. asks for the reviews? Yes, the older yeah, man. Yeah, I like him. He gets, he doesn't like Max, because Max run. Max is a small... Yeah, Max isn't... No, that's because Max ran out and just smelt pizza. Yeah, well, Max is excited. He likes he pizza. Is. See, he, Max is nice for that. He's dog. Like, he's, if he smells pizza, he's going to be excited. It's Bracey's son. Like, he's okay, like jumpy jump on people, but I, you've seen Marley do it, and he's taking mm-hmm. he's taking down postman and stuff. Like he's a big Marley dog. Ta- I remember when I bought a brand new crispy white, beautiful soft t shirt, brand new t shirt. Came to meet you for a night out, and he just jumped up, paused right on my titties, t shirt ruined. Yeah, you get people might buy that sort of thing. Like, I know I might get put... that aesthetic. Yeah, big pause yeah. on the titties. Pause on the titties and write PDSD on it, and you would be. Yeah, you'd be good. But listen, yeah. um, I'm going to have to round it up now. We're going to, have to bring the podcast to a close. Um, we've well, got to we're just over whatever that we do, but we are going to be back on Sunday. We do a Sunday brunch and where we buy all the Sunday newspapers, so you don't have to eat yourself out of pocket because they cost a fucking fortune. Um, we want to remind you to go on if you've got time on our Instagram on at Mouth the Clyde. There's competitions. There's lots of stuff to get involved in, comment on. You can send us stuff in. You can message us whatever you want. You can call us both dicks if you want to. But um, we want to thank our friends at Inverclyde Boiler Company for sponsoring this episode and being supportive of Mouth of the Clyde. And we hope that all our listeners go and support not just them, but places like we've mentioned, like Parma Vintage. And we always share other local businesses on there. Please support local, your friends and neighbours and everybody. Your local communities is key to keep going. Like, don't go to these big, massive shops and stuff. Try and support local people who are struggling through this pandemic, and um, because people are just trying to keep their doors open just now and keep it going. So, go and say hi to Inverclyde Boiler Company. They're so nice. They'll help you whenever you need, and keep the number on your phone. Can I say one thing also? Just because we've got it going now, like, mm-hmm. see with Apple, like, if you download this on the where you get this on like the podcast app, would you be able to leave a review there? Because that helps, that helps our, our rate, not a rating. Like, if the more people, like, if you put a five star or even a four star or a one star, it'll actually help the algorithm. So we'll show up and we might even get on the charts. Yeah. And I'd be interested even, that. Even though it's just a wee silly show and probably hardly anybody listens to this or nobody at all, even, except for my husband who loves us. My mum does um, too. But like, we are both journalists and trying to get into the industry and try to do things. And it's a difficult industry as it is. So we've got a wee desk egg like this we're doing local news and stuff and we've got people that support us and stuff like that if, like, if we're all in it together if you just listen to our wee podcast give it a follow and a rating and stuff like that it doesn't cost you anything but it really helps us both out um, yeah. and we sit and do things like watch the Alex Salmon inquiry for six hours and spend a fortune a week every week on newspapers so you don't have to do it we're helping you we're there for you we're yeah. going to buy you dominoes so be our friend help us out like and subscribe and rate and all the things alright you sleep in on a Sunday and I walk down to Tesco's and I might even get some rolls yeah. if you show up. 
Well, I think it's Sunday you should go get them because I had it last week. This week I'm I having like on Sunday and you could go. I don't mind. Are you? I don't know week. why. I think I stayed up to watch wrestling and ended up not going to sleep until about 6 o'clock in the morning. So there's nothing on this weekend, so I'll happily do it. Perfect. Well, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go personally make some pancakes. Will's probably going to go watch wrestling or something again. But thank you so much for listening to us. We really enjoyed telling you all this business. And we will see you on Sunday for Sunday brunch. See you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.